Thursday 39 on our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Today we're in John chapter 19, verses 28 to 42, so let's get our Bibles open there. This is the part of the story where John's Gospel starts to come together, where it reaches its concluding points. Jesus shares his last words from the cross. He dies for our sins and the sins of the world. His body is taken off the cross and laid in a tomb. And it's that burial of Jesus where I want to start this episode. And then we're going to work our way back to those last words of Jesus on the cross because they're so important. There's some important details in the burial part of this story too. John tells us there are two men specifically who are involved in Jesus' burial. One of them we meet for the first time in verse 38 of John 19. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. And John tells us here in this verse that he was a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. This is not the first time we've heard this kind of phrasing in John's gospel. If you remember back in John chapter 9, the parents of the man who was born blind, Jesus opened his eyes physically and spiritually. The parents of this man were appreciative, I'm sure, and they even believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to declare that publicly, John 9 says, because they were afraid of what the religious establishment might do to them. That same motivation is what drives a Pharisee, a religious leader himself named Nicodemus, to come to Jesus, as it's recorded in John chapter 3, under the cover of darkness. He didn't come in the broad daylight because it, was, it would be more likely that he'd be discovered by his fellow Pharisees. So he comes in the cover of darkness to ask Jesus some spiritual questions. Turns out that His religious traditions and and narrow-minded legalism aren't soul-satisfying. And so he's right in in sensing that perhaps Jesus has some light for his spiritual darkness. Nicodemus asks Jesus these spiritual questions, and Jesus responds in part with the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, verse 16. Jesus says, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to you, so that if you just believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. The same Nicodemus who's the Pharisee in John chapter 3 is with Joseph of Arimathea. Nicodemus is bringing the the burial spices according to their Jewish religious custom. He's got 75 pounds worth. That's very expensive. Joseph of Arimathea owns the, the tombs. And so they're doing this for Jesus on this Good Friday. Remember how John's gospel starts? In the beginning was the word. This word turns out to be Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, uh, the word that becomes flesh and dwells among us. In the beginning was this word, which of course is a, a connection to the beginning of the whole Bible, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it's also a part of that creation story in Genesis 1 where God creates the heavens and the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day he rests. And that day in the Hebrew of the Old Testament is called a sabbat or a Sabbath. So in the day-to-day kind of uh, calendar, the first day of the week is actually Sunday. Friday is the sixth day of the week, the sixth day of creation, if you will. And the seventh day is Saturday, which is the Sabbath. And Jesus rests, or God rests after his creation on that Sabbath. So Jesus is crucified on the sixth day, on a Friday. And on the, uh, on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, according to Jewish religious law, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, nobody can do anything with Jesus' body. They would have had to to wait until Sunday, and they didn't want to do that. But it's the rhythm of these days that I want to make sure that you catch. Jesus dies on Good Friday, and then everything goes eerily quiet. It goes silent. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. 
I know the temptation. I get it. We we want to get to the happy ending. We want to get to the to the celebration, the 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 resurrection at the end. We want to get to Sunday. We even say it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So don't worry about Friday. Just focus on Sunday. I want to invite you today to focus on Friday. To let Friday just be Friday. And then to let there be a pause. To, to just be just to be a quiet, just to just a point where it all stops. Hold that thought, and we'll get back to it at the very end. Jesus on the cross, it says in verse 28, knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said two more things. First, he said, I am thirsty. He's fulfilling Psalm 22, verse 15, where the psalmist laments, I'm thirsty, I'm parched. I need something to drink. This is 14 verses after this same psalmist laments, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His suffering is so deep, it's so severe. He's in a ditch that's so dark that he cries out to God, I feel like you've forsaken me, God. That tells us how Jesus feels on the cross. He feels everything a human being feels in the highest levels of devastation. My God, why have you forsaken me? I'm thirsty. I can relate to that psalmist in Psalm 22, Jesus is saying which reminds us just how far God is willing to go to pour out his love for us, how far his son, Jesus Christ, is willing to go to to make sure that we can experience the full power of that love. I'm thirsty. So the soldiers around him take some of the cheap wine that they have watered down there. That was kind of a, a Roman soldier tradition in first century Middle Eastern culture that if they had to hang out for a day or two watching people get crucified, if that was their um, assignment, that they would bring the wine, but in order to make sure the wine went further, they'd water it down. Remember Jesus' first miracle in John chapter 2? The first sign of, of seven signs in John's gospel, he turned water into wine. And his mother Mary was there, and she's here. We just met her at the end of uh, the passage yesterday that we studied. Jesus says to Mary, behold your son, and to John, his disciple, behold your mother, because he wants to make sure that his loved ones are are together, that, that they know that he's with them and they're with one another. So Mary, in this first miracle of Jesus in John chapter 2, asked Jesus to turn the to do something to keep the wedding party, the celebration going. Jesus ends up turning the water to wine, and then somebody comments after he does, my goodness, not only did you do this miracle, but you saved the best wine to last. Usually at a wedding feast like this, the the wedding host brings out the expensive wine first, and then after everybody doesn't care anymore, they bring out the cheap wine. But you've done the opposite. You brought the best wine out. Well, of course, Jesus is bringing the best to us, to this world. Contrast then is rich at the cross. The soldiers are doing the opposite for him of what he does for them and for this world. Jesus turns water into the best wine. The soldiers take the watered down wine and give it to the one who's the best, Jesus. Taking the wine is a fulfillment of of Psalm 69, verse 21. Then in verse 30, he says, it is finished. And most of the time, We hear well-meaning sermons and messages and Bible studies where we assume that what Jesus meant is, it's over, Uh, I'm done, Uh, death is is defeating me, Uh, Judas wins, my betrayer, the religious establishment wins, at least for now, until Sunday. Sunday's coming, but that's not what's happening here. Jesus is in full control. 
every moment and every step of the way. When he says it's finished, it's clear in the original Greek of this text, this original text in John chapter 19, verse 30, that what he's saying is it is accomplished. My mission that he talks about in verse 28. In verse 30, he says, my mission is accomplished. And then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It is finished. It's accomplished. I did what my father sent me into this world to do. It's finished. Death, your death is finished. Sin, your sin is finished. It's forgiven. The darkness of evil, it's finished. It's finished because I'm doing what my father sent me into the world to do. (laughs) Jesus accomplishes his mission for us, for you, for me, and for this world. Let it be Friday today. Let it be what it is. Don't race to Sunday. Because I think it's important for us to just pause, to let it be eerily quiet between today and our celebration of Easter, to let it soak in just how deep and how wide and how high God's love is for you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He died. I mean, he really died. A physically excruciating death because he loves you like that. Has anybody ever died for you so that you could live? That's how much God loves you. Soak in that today. I know Sunday's coming. I know we're going to have a great celebration of Jesus' resurrection. In fact, we'll talk about that on the last episode, day 40. It's coming. But today's day 39. It's just Friday. And that's it. Let it be Friday today. And let God's love fill up your soul. See you tomorrow. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Oh,